So I just want to say that today you might be wondering why are we doing this? Why are we doing a whole service based on prayer? Well, it's what God asks us to do, specifically in Romans chapter 12, verse 12, it says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and constant in prayer. And so today this service is just oriented around this idea that God has actually asked us to be constant in prayer. And, and so we want to take this whole service to focus on that. And, and, but I want, I want to take a minute before we actually start praying to even just break down this passage and what this passage is asking us to do as a church. And before it even asks us to pray, it says to be, to be joyful in hope, right? And this, this idea of hope is that hope is in some way just a vision of what the future can be, right? The hope is something that we don't always, we don't actually have the fullness of it yet, right? It's why it's hope. We don't have everything that we're here to hope for. And so that's why we pray, right? We pray because God has set hope on our hearts. He set eternity in our hearts. And we have hope that no matter what happens here, no matter what happens in the election, whether your candidate gets elected or not, we believe and have hope because God reigns. God is on the throne, right? We, we believe that. And we believe that we have hope in actually the presence of God, having access to God's presence today. So if you're out there and you're wondering and you're, you're feeling like your, 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 your peace is, is not there because of the chaos of this season, I just want to say that God's presence always leads to peace. God's presence leads to peace in your heart. So know that God's presence is actually accessible to you today. So you can be joyful in hope because God's presence is accessible to you today. And then I want to say this, this last one is that we can have hope because of eternity. Like we are not hoping only in what is going to happen here on this earth. Like if we were, then we would be hopeless, right? We actually have hope that there is something that God is preparing us for, for the future, and it isn't just what happens here on earth. We do hope that, that heaven comes to earth as, I mean, that, that's what God asks us to pray for, right? So that might be something that you might pray for today. But we do believe that it's not going to come in its fullness until Jesus returns again. And so we just have hope that there's a future that God has an eternity for us waiting. But this verse says also, not to only be joyful, right? Joyful in hope. Like we should all have joy today, but to be patient in affliction, patient in affliction. And I know that all of us in some, some, some small, some big ways are experiencing affliction. Uh, but, and then some of us, depending on how the, the election takes place, whoever wins might experience even more affliction. That's just the possible reality. I, I've, I put out a post just asking for advice about who I should vote for, and I got 450 comments on that post. But it, made, it was made clear that there were people who were going to be heavily impacted based on this election and the outcome, right, on both sides. And so some of you may feel more afflicted after this, this election, but you know what God's word says? Be patient in affliction. Be patient in affliction. And here I want to encourage you with this is that sometimes God actually uses affliction for our good, right? And he uses affliction for our good because he wants to actually create character in our lives, not just comfort. That's his, his end goal is to, to make us into better people and to actually draw us into people who look more like Jesus. That's what God wants us 
uh, from us and what he hopes for us. And we actually see this all the way when he, he, he called a nation, which was Israel, right? And I just want you to first say, in this political season, we are not Israel. We are not God's chosen nation here in the United States of America. That's important to say. But uh, he wants to guide us as a nation as well, right? And, and so he, he may bring affliction to us in order for us to grow into the image of Christ. That's, that may be what he actually decides for us to do. I, I'm not exactly sure, but he did that with the nation of Israel, not because he was mad at them, but it's because he loved them and he actually wanted them to live out their full potential. So it might be in this season that we have to be patient in affliction because God actually wants us to grow because he loves us, right? Do you believe that? Like that is the truth, right? And so, but sometimes God actually, uh, affliction comes just because of our, our poor choices, right? And, and sometimes we have to experience consequences because of the things that we've chosen to do. Romans 1.24 says this, so God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. Like God's presence was actually not, fullness in there, he actually pulled it back because they're walking away from them. And so he, he pulled back to let them kind of experience the fullness of their consequence to say, you, you're not going to receive blessing when you're walking in a path that's opposite of the path that I would want you to walk. So sometimes we're going to experience consequences and afflictions because of our own choices, but whatever it is, we're called to be patient in the affliction, whether the affliction is from our own choices or even maybe from other people's choices or just God trying to call us into a greater character and a more full reliance on him. Whatever it is, we need to be patient. And patient, that word patience, literally means to endure. We need to be endure and trust that it isn't for nothing that God has given us an affliction, right? It's so that he can work the good. That's always God's purpose in affliction is to work the good. And then he says this last thing uh, Paul does in, in 12, 12, Romans 12, 12, be constant in prayer. Now, other versions, the NIV says be faithful in prayer, but the, the word constant is what we used here in the ESV. It literally means in the Greek, it means devoted. I don't know if you've ever met somebody who's devoted to something, right? But uh, like if you're, have you ever met the person that comes to your party and they're devoted to their diet and you cannot get them to eat your cheesecake? You know, it's like they're so devoted and you kind of hate them for it a little bit. But I think that's what we're actually being called to do when we're, we're called to be devoted or to be constant in prayer, right? We, we're actually continually, there's not a day that goes by that we're not praying for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the reason why we're constant in prayer, James 5.16 says this, the prayer of the righteous person is powerful and effective. So your prayers, if you're following Jesus, they actually have power. Okay, we have to believe that. Number two, uh, the reason that we, we believe that there should be constants in our prayers, 1 John 5.14.15 says, because we can have confidence in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And it will be known that, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we will be, uh, it will be given of him. So we just want to say that we know that our prayers have power and that God is listening. Okay, that's, that's just the truth. So what are we going to do today? Well, I want to read to you Ephesians 6 
18 through 20, so it kind of outlines what we're actually going to be doing in this moment. It says this, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions. So we want to, it says in the previous passage in, in 1 John, we want to pray in the Spirit, which means we're praying in the things that God wills, right? Of all kinds of occasions. The election is one occasion that we need to be praying for, right? And with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. So we see some of what Paul is talking about here. He says we should pray on all occasions for all sorts of requests. So we're going to be praying about five things today. Okay, five things. We're going to pray for the election itself. We're going to pray for the issues that are, going to, that are, that are coming up in this specific election. Uh, we're going to pray for our church and specifically the response of our church and the church as a, as a whole worldwide, nationwide. Uh, and then we're going to pray for a revival and we're going to pray for hope. Okay, you guys ready to dive in and pray today? You online, are you ready to dive in and pray today? I just want to reiterate and say that if you haven't yet, if you've got prayer requests that are on your heart, as they come up, put them in the chat, in the comments, whether you're doing church online, whether you're doing Facebook, we want to know what's on your heart so we can pray about those at the end. So I I was convicted to pray for our leaders Uh, just this last week. I've got a group of guys that are reading through scripture together. And we read through 1 Timothy. And 1 Timothy chapter 2 says this. um, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. For kings and all those in authority. That we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So why should we pray for the election, right? Why should we pray for the election, which is the first thing we're going to be praying for? Well, the reason we should pray for the election is because, first of all, we're urged and commanded to do it right here in 1 Timothy. We're urged and we're commanded to pray for our elected officials. Actually, we're, we're commanded to pray for all people, right? So pray for all people. Actually, this has been really good for my heart. I started praying for, for more people uh, in this, just this last week because this, this, this specific passage spoke to my heart. But I, one of the peop- some of the people I've been praying for are our officials and the candidates in the election that are, that are, that's coming up this Tuesday. And the reason we pray for the candidates and for those in authority, for the officials, is for two reasons. I believe this, because the the two reasons are that good leaders help create peace. This is what this passage in 1 Timothy is saying. Good leaders create peace, right? We pray for people in authority that we may live a quiet and peaceful life, right? And then peaceful environment is actually good for the gospel, Peaceful environment is good for the gospel, right? It says that uh, God, that the, the purpose of all of these prayers is that the, that the truth of God could be shared, right? So let me just dive into that. The reason we're urged to pray for our leaders is that we're, we're called to live a quiet and peaceful life. Actually, God wants us to live a godly life, right? And if there's chaos in the world, it just isn't good for you to be able to live out a godly life at times. It's really hard. It makes it really hard if turmoil and chaos come in. And what a leader can do, a leader actually creates an environment, good leaders at least, create an environment 
of peace, an environment where actually there's order. And, and so God is actually for order in the world. God's actually for order in the world. And so just from a, a, a big picture perspective, God wants order to be in the world. And that actually is helpful for us to, to, to be able to spread the message. Do you know that it's really hard to spread the message when there's chaos? Because what happens is that when there's chaos, people tend to be more focused on themselves. I mean, we see it right now in this season that because of the, the chaos, the feeling chaos, at least of this election season, that it's really hard to share the good news. I just feel like more people are less willing to listen because they're so wrapped up in all these issues, right? And so if, if it was a season where it just felt like everything was good, um, you know, people are more interested and, and willing to, to dive in and to, to hear because there's not chaos happening in their life. And the, the great thing about having you know, chaos-free world is that it, it ends up producing more chaos-free lives, right? And so, we, because in our own lives, if there's chaos, if my family is in shambles and I don't have a job and I can't make things work for myself, it makes it really hard for me to share the good news of Christ because what, what does somebody want out of my life, right? It's like, what, I, I look at your life and I don't think I want any of that, right? It's like your life is in complete shambles and chaos. So creating peace in a culture leads to more peace in individual lives, which ends up creating just this really cool thing for you to be able to share the good news of Christ. Because really what this, this passage says is that's the ultimate goal is for us to be able to share the good news of Jesus. So we're going to take two minutes and we're going to pray about this specifically. Uh, we want to pray for the election. And I've got five things that we're going to pray for in this time. And you might just want to pick one. Um, and, and, but you might make your way through all five. And I, if you're not, if you're not, you know, used to praying, I just want to say, God knows our thoughts. God knows our hearts. And so if you are out there and you're, you're wondering, you're nervous about taking silent time to pray, I just want to say, just talk to God like you're talking to a friend and just, just invite him into your thoughts, into your heart, and then pray through these things. What's on your heart when it comes to these five areas? First of all, we want to pray for a reduced anxiety for us and for all of our nation. We want to pray for a peaceful outcome to this election. Uh, we want to pray that you, there's unity in God's people. And uh, we want to pray for an environment where the good news can take root, because that's the heart of what this passage is saying. And then we want to pray that after this time, that God guides the elected officials. So go ahead and take a moment, and we're just going to have a, a minute here where we, we are silent in prayer. God, just come to us now, and we just ask for you to speak to our hearts. One of these five areas is an area where you want us to pray. Each one of us may be leaning towards one area, and we just ask you to take those next few moments uh, as we pray to you. God, we come to you now, we just pray that you would create an outcome of this election that actually creates 
uh, a more peaceful environment in this nation. Lord, an environment in which there's just not chaos and people that are neglected and not looked after, but a world in which uh, we can actually know that we're loved, seen, and valued. And I pray that you would, uh, you would actually just work in this election to bring your good news about that the truth of Jesus would be shared more and more in this nation. And we just ask this in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen. issues that are trigger points or the big things that people are really considering when they're looking at this election. The economy, healthcare, Supreme Court appointments, the coronavirus outbreak, violent crime, gun policy, race and ethnic inequality, immigration, economic inequality, climate change, and abortion pretty heavy, heavy topics when you think about it. And it's interesting when you look at the studies to see which of the parties, this is a more important topic than the other parties. But what we find though, is while this isn't a comprehensive list, we're all walking in with one policy or, or one top issue, or maybe it's a couple of top issues that are affecting us personally in our home. I know that I have friends on both sides. We were joking about the far right and the far left, and I'm the middle guy up here, right? But honestly, I think all of us have friends on all spectrums of political parties and conservative or liberal, and one or two of these policies is going to change their home. One or two of these, the impact of it, is going to do something far different than someone else's home. And so, of course, each of us have that kind of platform we're standing on. And for me, as I'm watching friends and family and Facebook and all the things and the bickering and the craziness that's happening right now, my heart started breaking. And I just had to start praying hard for my friends and my family. And for those who obviously a policy, a specific policy or different policies are their main issues that's driving them. And I wanted to come and say, we can find an administration that'll cover it. Please, Jesus, give us an administration that's gonna fix this one and make this one right. And then I realized, the gospel is not our government and our government is not our gospel. We don't have to have faith there that they're going to do this all for us, right? What we get to do though is get to say that outside of this, we as believers and we as friends and family can recognize that while we have something we're going to hold tight to, because I know my family, we have a couple of issues that we're holding really tight to that if something changes, it changes how our house functions, but I'm trying to look and I'm asking you, we're going to pray through how can we look at how this administration is going to impact us and how can we love on others through this, regardless of what happens on Tuesday. As we struggle with these certain policies, we need to remember that God has called us to something greater than an administration or a policy that the United States of America puts in place. Micah 6.8 is so profound in this. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. So when Tuesday hits, and Wednesday, and Thursday, and in a month or two, or a year from now, and things are still crazy, because they're going to be, because like Derek just said, some of us are going to find more affliction after the election. 
and others are going to find more peace after the, after the election. But what we get to do is we get to walk in a different manner with people. Jesus has called us to a different, a different walk than requiring a certain policy or requiring a certain elected official. Isaiah 117 hits this dead on again. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless and plead the case of the widow. Time and time again, Jesus in his word, God in his word, Old Testament and New Testament, he's telling us to fight for those who have no voice. So what can we do as we head into this? Sometimes it may be putting aside our determination for a certain policy. And it might just be saying, how can I follow Jesus by walking justly or acting with justly, loving mercy, and walking humbly with God. How can I follow that more closely? In reality, you guys, one administration is going to come in on Tuesday, and some things are going to flip-flop. And then in four years, it's going to flip-flop some more, and it's going to just keep doing that. So we cannot put our hope and our strength and our power in this administration or in that administration or what the government's going to do. We are going to put our hope in Jesus and in what he is doing and his kingdom is going to do. We can pray that our government moves in a godly way. We can pray for that. But we cannot require that. What we can do is say, we're going to stand and we're going to walk the way Jesus asks us to walk. So just, I love all these verses. I love these Old Testament verses. Psalm 62, 5 through 6. Yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and salvation. He is my force, my fortress, and I will not be shaken. So today, we're going to spend this couple of minutes, and I, I feel like we're moving really fast, but we've got some powerful stuff we want to pray for. So like Derek was saying, if you're not used to the idea of just sitting in prayer, I want you to just take a minute and just maybe bust out that journal maybe you've got sitting next to you, or pull up the notes on your, app, on your phone, and write down what is something that is happening in your life, or that after Tuesday, what is a way that you can act justly? What is a way that you can love mercy and show mercy? What is a way you can walk humbly with God? We're going to give you a minute. I'm going to kick us off. I'm going to just open us, and I'm going to give you a minute just to sit with Jesus, show me, show me. So Jesus, we come and we sit at your throne. Your throne is who we bend to. Your government is the government we bend to, Jesus. And we come because we know that you are giving us a way, regardless of the issues, the administration, the policy put in place or removed, you are the powerful one that we can rely on. You are the creator. So God, we sit here and we give all of this to you. Jesus, we know that you are in control, that you give, you take away, you allow, and you present. Jesus, we know, regardless of the outcome on Tuesday, that you are putting something magical and amazing and supernatural in place. So Jesus, we bend to you, and we lay this at your throne.
on, uh, on, the, on the other side of the election. So what are we going to do after Tuesday? What are we going to look like? And I, and I think in this season, I think we've already talked about this. There's just a sense that I, I see that we're gripping, right? We feel like there, there could be a loss or there might be a loss um, of our way of life or potentially our future uh, or that even the church will fall apart. Maybe we're going to be forced not to meet or anything like that. And I, I just want to speak into that. I believe the only way that the church will actually lose its platform is if we stop acting like the church, right? The only way that we're going to die is if we, if from internal, our own internal bleeding, right? It's going to be because we're, we tear each other apart or we stop loving the world around us. And I I just want to bring a a scripture um, where Paul actually speaks into what we look like, what the church does in the moments of affliction, what the church does in moments of affliction. And he, he really speaks to this because of his own life. It's not like he isn't willing to do uh, what, what he, or he's asking us to do something he's unwilling to do. Philippians 1 says this in verse 12. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has come clear that throughout the whole palace guard, I just want you to be clear, first of all, that Paul is actually in prison. He's in chains. So he's being chained to a Roman guard at this time. The whole palace guard and everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. And then you skip down a few verses and he continues to say in verse 20, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed because I have sufficient courage So that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether in life or by death. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So Paul gives us a a good image of just from his own personal circumstances of how we should act in moments of affliction or moments of hardship in the church. And really, the first one is that we need to change our definition of what is the worst case scenario. The worst case scenario isn't that the government says you can't meet or that we're going to put you in prison or any of that sort of thing. That's not the worst case scenario. The worst case scenario, according to Paul, is the gospel is no longer able to be preached. And even when he's in chains, he's saying... I'm able to preach the gospel even all the more because I've got one of the the Caesar's guards actually chained to my leg and I'm preaching to him and he's going to the palace guard and he's telling everybody in the palace what I'm preaching about. So he's even more excited. Maybe, Maybe even because of the change that he's in, the gospel is being spread all the more because of it. So you gotta change what our worst case scenario is, right? Number two is this, that the government can't stop the church. The government can't stop the church. Here's, here's the deal, is that Paul literally wasn't changed. I just said that, right? But he, it, it wasn't the, it was that even in his chains, right, that says that the brothers and sisters were encouraged because of his affliction, right? It's, it's like they were, they were going, okay, Paul is doing this. Paul, he, he may be struggling in an affliction in this time. Well, I'm going to go out and, and spread the good news. If he can't go out and spread the good news, it actually encouraged each other. They encourage each other. And, and uh, I, this is a, a saying in the early church that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. It actually encourages us to spread the gospel because we look like Jesus when we're suffering. And I don't want us to be suffering. I just want to be clear. But even if it does come to that, I just want to say that it's actually good 
at times for the, the, the proclamation of the good news. It can be good. And here's number three. Our circumstances are secondary to the good news being spread. Our circumstances are secondary. Paul says to live is Christ, to die is gain. Whatever happens to advance the gospel, that's the best thing that can happen. It's not what's good for me. It doesn't matter if whoever gets elected and I have to pay more taxes or if whoever gets elected and I have to, whatever happens and the outcome, our personal circumstances do not matter as much as the gospel being preached matters. So there's three things I want to pray about in this time. And, uh, and as a, as a church, one is that we want to pray, uh, for the church to return to its first love. Right? And that's Jesus. We return to our love for, I know if you grew up in the church, you grew up singing this song, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. That's, that's all that my hope is built on, right? Return to our first love. Number two is this, to pray for our response to adversity to look like Christ, right? Who, it says, he actually was willing to lay down his life. He was willing to take on hate and return it with love. That's what Jesus did. And then number three is to pray for the good news to be spread in new and creative ways in the next season. That's, we're in a crazy season. We're in a season of uh, digital revolution and all these things. We're doing church online. It's a crazy season. What do you pray for the church to be able to respond in this season? Okay, let's, let's go ahead and pray. God, we, we come to you now and we know that uh, the worst case scenario for me personally may not be actually the worst case scenario for you because you have a different definition of what it means to be in, in a bad spot because we, we, do not, we don't see the whole picture, God. You see a much bigger picture and we want to hope in eternity, not hope in our circumstances, in our homes or where we can live and all these things, our, our, our paychecks. Those are so uncertain, God. And you, you ask us, you command us to put our hope in, in more. And so, God, we just ask for that in this time. Lord, we, we ask today that no matter what happens in this election, no matter if we are really on the edge of a precipice, Lord, we pray that we would not stop being the church. And the good news would be our clarion call. Lord, everything that we care about, we want to preach the gospel. We want to act like you. We want to love like you. We want to be a church that looks like you. So God, we ask this in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, Second uh, Chronicles 7.14 says this. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face then, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear them from heaven and I'll forgive their sin and I'll heal their land. Now, this is a really, really popular verse if you grew up in or around church. But there are a couple things I want to make sure we don't miss that's, that are really important to this verse. The first is this. We read this as though it's a complete statement. 
It, in fact, is not. You see, the first word is not capitalized. We're picking up mid-sentence in this, which means it's predicated or related to what has just been said. And what has just been said is this. When I shut up the heavens, God speaking, when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people, if my people. Now, what he's saying here is, if things seem like they're not going the way you think they should, if things are bad, if there's a COVID virus running through you, the world, and there's an election in the midst of a COVID virus with candidates that we don't particularly trust, if my people would pray and humble themselves and seek him. So that's the first thing. We need to understand that this is a very specific point that God is making that we're called to be praying and seeking him. But the second thing is this, that if my people statement, we read here in America as though this is written to America, right? It is not. This is written to my people. There are only two groups of people that are called my people in the Bible. The first are the people of Israel, and the second is the church. And he's saying, if my people. Now, what he's saying is, in the midst of these difficult times, you should know this about God, that I offer you an if-then proposal. And I give you a roadmap, church, for how this works. And he says this, if my people will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, and turn, then... Then I will hear them, I'll forgive them, and I'll heal their land. So what I want to do here this morning, as we're kind of heading towards the home stretch, I want to just take a couple minutes to talk about this with you and actually give you a, a chance to respond. Because here's something I know about every single one of you in this room. In your hearts, in your heads, each one of us has something we want God to heal our land with regards to our personal situation, our home situation, our work situation, the country, the distrust, the chaos, whatever it is, every single one of us have something where we're asking God to heal the land. But God says, as his people, the way it works is you have to humble yourself, pray, seek him in turn. So, and what does that mean? You know, humble just means this, put God back in his right position. You're not God, he is. So that means I need to stop my methods, my ways of, of doing things. Stop trusting my ways. Stop, you know, stop the hate posts. That's not God's way. Stop, stop the, you know, different opinion shaming. It's not God's way. That's your way. And so we've got to turn from our evil ways and what we should be praying for is a revival of our hearts in this land. And so here's what I want to do with the time that we have just with, with just for a minute. I'm going to give you one minute. And I just want you to identify what it is in your heart that you're asking God to heal the land from. So go ahead and do that.
God in heaven, we pray this prayer of confession. We humble ourselves and we confess before you the ways in which we've been trusting our own ways and our own means apart from you. We pray and ask God that you would show us specifically what you desire for us and what you desire in this election year. We ask that you show us how to respond to others who may disagree with our opinion. We seek you and we ask you to reveal your will in our life and in this present time and place. And we confess areas in our life we have not been following you. And we commit to following you and submitting to you and your plan in all our ways. And we ask you, Lord, to heal our land, bring peace, human equity, unity, revival, and new beginnings to this world and this country. We ask you to heal our relationships and build new relationships that those, with those that you call us to. We ask God for a revival in this land and that the world, starting with me, would find our hope in the God of this world and in your sovereignty alone. We ask this in your name. Amen. Morning just as with spending a time of praying for hope. And I just want to say this. It, we are not saying that you should abdicate your opportunity or your responsibility to vote. We're actually encouraging you to choose who you th hear God uh, recommending that you vote for and you take your civic responsibility and do that. We're not saying don't do that. But what we are saying is this. Two, two things I want to make you aware. First of all, that God is far above all of this. Right? He, 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 is, he is above the earthly rulers. He is above all of us. And he is the king. And he reigns over all of the earth. Look at Psalm 146. It says this. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Do not put your trust in princes or presidents. In human beings who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. Blessed are those who help, whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord, their God. Yeah, those that are in office, they do govern us. And the authorities that exist have been established by God. But here's what you need to understand, that our hope and trust isn't in the humans or the administrations of the presence. Just as a side note here, Israel's history was riddled with kings and rulers who were evil, bad people. And God was no less sovereign in those moments than he is today, even if the person that you're not wanting in office gets in office. He is still sovereign. Look, at he, he carries on to say this. He is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed. He gives food to the hungry. The Lord tests or sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the foreigners, sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever, O God, O Zion, for all generations. Praise the Lord. See, our hope is also found in God because he is always at work. And that list that we just read, by the way, are the hot button topics that our political candidates 
are living on. The poor, the needy, the oppressed, the, racially, uh, the racial division that's going on. Those are all of the concerns that God has on our behalf as well. So our greatest hope is trusting in him. But the second thing I want to remind you of is that not only is God above all this, but God is in us. And when God is in us, he produces his peace through us. He uses us to be agents of peace. Look at Luke 17. It says, once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will uh, people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you. God's kingdom lives in us. God's spirit is in us, and he calls us to live out his kingdom of heaven here on earth by producing peace. So, every time we put our faith and our trust in him and follow him, God moves through us to bring goodness and hope into this world. So, I want to take this last minute for you to just reflect on the final verse of Psalm 146, which says this, the Lord reigns forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations, praise the Lord. Take a minute and reflect on the fact that God is our ultimate hope and thank him for being the God that rules. Dear Lord, we just remember and acknowledge that you are the God over all things and all people forever. We praise you for this and we ask for your grace to trust you completely. God, we praise you for all the things that you do for those who are in need and ask you to do things in our country and through you to your sphere of influence. Help us be influencers of those around us. Make us agents of peace. May we be carriers of the gospel. May we bring your hope to those around us, knowing that you're in control and nothing happens that catches you off guard or is too big for you to deal with. Thank you for your love and your grace in all of this, Jesus. We ask this in your name. Amen. So throughout the service, while we've been praying and walking through this amazing scripture that God has given us, um, people have been commenting, and I have a list right here of things that were commented on uh, Facebook or their webpage, or maybe some of you did log on and do that. And there were six things that, that were prevalent, six topics we want to spend just a couple of minutes on and pray about. The first is unity. The second is anxiety. Third is our devotion to God. Four is healing. The fifth is peaceful outcome no matter what. And I love six. Love people on the other side of politics than you. 
So if you look at those, I think it's amazing how so many people are praying and hoping for healing in the sense of unity and a connection, that this division is stopped in the name of Jesus. It is stopped now. Because we as the church have a chance to step into this, right? And it's obvious from here, and my guess is this is probably sitting with some of you, that you've been seeing the same thing. So we're going to just take a couple minutes, and the three of us are going to take, um, a, just pray over these. So we would just love to welcome you in this time of prayer with us as we, as we close out our day. Understanding, again, God is sovereign. He is mighty. He is with us. That we are his people because we are his church. We are his righteous. He loves us. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just call on these guys. I'm just going to hand them out. This was kind of our, we didn't know where this was going to go, which ones were going to come in. So Derek, will you take unity and anxiety? Rhett, will you take devotion to God and healing? And then I will take peaceful outcome no matter what and love people on the other side. Let's pray. God, we come to you now knowing that uh, in Ephesians you call us uh, actually that in Christ you'll bring unity to all things. And so God, we, we ask that in, in everything, Lord, you would actually unite us as a people. And Lord, you, you say in that same book that we used to not be a people, but now we are a people because of you. We actually have a home. And, and I pray that you would, you would unite us under your banner, under Christ, and that, Lord, we would just know you more. Lord, we would, would be in tune with you because we know that our, our hope is built on nothing less than you, God. And we, we want to just come to you today, today, God, and just proclaim that it does not matter what, what happens moving forward. We are your people. You are our God. We're united in you because we're united in your love. Lord, we are your children children, and we just proclaim that from the heavens right now. And God, as we even think about unity, it is anxiety-inducing to realize uh, that this, this, this what, what's on the unknowns, they're always anxiety-inducing. And I, I pray that as we walk into the unknown this week, Lord, you would be with us. Lord, knowing that uh, that we do not have the responsibility for the outcome. Lord, that is on your shoulders. And we just, right now, I just pray for our church, for everybody that is engaging at this moment. Lord, just help us to release that. If, if any of us right now are carrying anxieties surrounding this election and its potential outcome, I pray that we would just place that in your hands, God. Knowing that that is not our role. Lord, we, we can do our part and we got to ask you to do your part. And so God, we pray that you would lift that heavy load off of our shoulders and just give us a peace. Give us a freedom, Lord. We ask for freedom in your name. We pray this. Amen. Lord, we just, uh, man, we, we need to be seeking you first and foremost and only. And uh, in difficult times, we can be tempted to turn and lose our belief in your sovereignty and your ability to uh, lead us and guide us. We lose faith oftentimes in your power because we have a human mindset and we have a human uh, perception of what's happening. But we know that you're bigger than us. You rule over us. You're beyond us. And you're in control. And again, nothing happens that you don't know about. And don't have power over. And so we just pray you would call us to you in this time. Keep us from wandering. Help us lean deeper into your faith and deeper into following you with all of our anxieties and areas where we're uh, distrusting and, and uncertain. And then we just know that you can bring the only way for healing to come is through our dedication to you and through our dedication to pursuing the gospel in our relationships and in this world. 
Our political system is divided. Our race is divided. Our races are divided. Our economic statuses divide us and things that we believe in, things that we follow, and they they separate us instead of healing us. So we pray for your healing in this land. We pray for healing over the COVID-19 virus that's going on right now in this world and in this country. We pray that you would bring us closer together, hearts, heal our brokenness, heal our lack of belief. We trust you. We ask this in your name. So we come knowing that you are a mighty God. And as we come to you as your people, you will give us direction how to move forward. Lord Jesus, that the outcome regardless of Tuesday, we can act with peace. We can act with justice. We can act with mercy and walk with you, Jesus. So regardless of Tuesday, Jesus, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ that we as your people can follow you. That we can be the light that this world so desperately needs right now. That we can love people, whatever belief, political belief that they have, whatever happens, we can continue to walk as you command us to love one another. We, Lord Jesus, are coming and bending to you. Show us where we can love. Show us how we can offer peace and mercy. Show us how we can offer an ear to hear someone else's perspective. You come and you call us to walk in your name and to be the light. And so, Lord Jesus, we pray today that we as your people, K2 the church as your people, will love. And we will be known as a people of love. We will be known as a people of peace, regardless of what happens on Tuesday. Because of what happens on Tuesday, we will be seen more how we respond. So Jesus, we thank you for this amazing time that we can come together and and do something that probably most of us don't do very often, a sit an hour of prayer. Jesus, thank you we can come to your throne. We know that when we are gathered together in your name, you hear us and mighty things will happen. And so Jesus, we come. We come and pray for those mighty things to happen in our own hearts and our own homes and our relationships through the posts we make on Facebook, our responses, the conversations we have, Jesus. We come and we sit at your throne and we beg that you give us the mercy we need to be able to pour it out. We beg for that love so we can pour it out. Jesus, we thank you. You are a mighty God and we sit here and we give you all the glory in your name, Jesus Christ, amen. I don't know about you guys, I am like, Woo! It's it's big. I didn't even cry today. Are you guys proud of me? I didn't even cry yet. I'm sure it's coming here in a minute. But I wanted to say, it's hard to end this, but I want to say thank you for those of you who are online. I'm sure this was a very unique experience sitting in a lot of quiet in your home. There's a lot of quiet here. I'm sure you noticed we didn't even do music today. Um, But we knew coming in, When we planned this, we knew Jesus was going to take control. And I will tell you, as things shifted around this morning, we knew Jesus was moving and taking control of today. And he is moving and taking control of Tuesday. And we know this, and it is beautiful. So thank you for joining us today. Uh, Those of you online, thanks for being here. Thanks for chiming in and giving us these prayer prompts so that we could continue to spend this. And we do, we challenge you, jump online on our app and the website and check out the service notes. They're going to have the scriptures we shared. They're going to have the things that we asked you to pray for. Continue to pray this week. Pray for the movement of the church this week, that that will be seen, that God will be seen regardless of the outcome Tuesday night. Thanks everybody so much for coming. So glad to have you here and can't wait to see you next week.